Steven Nelson missed OTAs but showed up for mandatory minicamp. Does that bode well for his chances at getting an extension with the Houston Texans? You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I am John, some sports guy, Hickman. Of course, I'm joined by none other than Sports Illustrated's own and credential media member for the Houston Texans, Cody Davis. Thank you if you are a returning listener to the Locked On Texan podcast. We really appreciate it. If you are new, make sure you subscribe, like, and comment to the Locked On Texan podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, along with YouTube as well. Before we get started with today's show, I am personally dedicating this podcast to H-Town legend from the SUC, Big Pokey, who passed away over the weekend. Uh, your music and your moments live on through me and the rest of the South Side of Houston, Texas. Now that we are starting with this show, we got to talk about a couple of things. PFF ranked the Houston Texans <laughs> wide receiver group the worst in the league. So we'll have a conversation about that. Henry told told year one impact, the possibility of what he can be for this team, the fifth-round pick. However, with the signing of Shaquille Griffin, how does that impact Steven Nelson? Cody, before we get started with that Steven Nelson conversation, I wanted to give you guys some insight on Steven Nelson. As of right now, he is playing on a 2023 team-friendly deal in the final year of a two-year contract worth $10 million, which he signed last offseason. In this offseason, Nelson switched agents, hiring athletes first, David Malaghetto, who represents top corners, Jalen Ramsey, and Quandre Diggs. Last season, Nelson played in 15 games for the Houston Texans, registering registering 52 tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack, one forced fumble, an interception, and seven PBUs. Now, this is where we get a little bit deeper. Through 15 games, Nelson showed his versatility for the Houston Texans and his values. Through 15 games, only 24 yards per game, 2.2 catches per game, only allowed one touchdown, 51 yards was the longest completed pass he allowed all year, according to PFF, four games with zero yards allowed. And this is one of the numbers and stats that I really love the most, Cody. The 836 snaps lined up at corner was expected. But did you guys expect for Steven Nelson to line up around the line of scrimmage by the defensive line 59 times last year? He also played a good number of snaps in the, in the slot as well. When we look at what Steven Nelson was able to do for the Houston Texans last season and with the arrival of Shaq Griffin, guys, I'm going to come out and say it. Plainly and simply, I value Steven Nelson higher than I would a Shaquille Griffin. And I think that when we look at his productivity for the Houston Texans last year, 
how he stepped up when Derek Stingley was not playing due to the injury and that limited cornerback position. How many times did we say last year, you know, the front four not get it done, the linebackers look bad, but the secondary for the Houston Texans was undoubtedly the best group on the defensive side of the ball, and you can make a case, the best group for the entire team. Steven Nelson played a huge part in that, in his role, being cornerback two, and at times throughout the year, being cornerback number one. I think that when you look at the possibility of getting an extension, coding and listeners and viewers, extend it for another two years, maybe up to $25 million, $30 million, around that range. But he's a guy that I think, the arrival of Shaq Griffin is good. He could be a very good depth piece. And maybe throughout camp, you look at some of the other guys like Otavier Thomas, and maybe you look at their value and say to yourself, well, he's a more talented player. We can move on from this type of guy. But Steven Nelson for Houston did wonders last year, given the situation, given the coaching, given the, 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 uh, the scheme as well. Bring him back. Get him on that extension and move forward with this process. I'm also an advocate of I don't think they're in a rebuilding process anymore. I think they are in a building process. He can be a part of that. I like Steven Nelson. I really do. I'm on board with him getting his money. But when I look at the addition of Shaq Griffin, I think it's really going to come down to who they're going to value more, Griffin or Nelson, because both of these guys are just about at their best, the same type of cornerback. Um, you you look at Shaq Griffin. This is a guy who is a pro bowler. At his best, he is a pro bowl caliber defensive back, and that took place in 2019. Don't want to go over the numbers too much because we have talked about that a lot here on this show, but really quick, career highs in 2019, 65 tackles, 13 pass deflections, and he was basically consistent the next two years when he closed out his career in Seattle. And then the first year in Jacksonville, he looked pretty good, looked like their Pro Bowl caliber cornerback from 2019. However, last year was the worst year of his career because he went through a devastating back injury that limited him to only six games with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that led to his early exit in Jacksonville, which led to him signing with the Houston Texans for this offseason. Now, before moving on, John, listeners and viewers, I know a lot of us hear this a lot. Former all-star, former Pro Bowl caliber player, former all-pro player gets hurt. And the year that they believe is going to be their healthiest year, they all say the same thing. I want to get back to the player that I was prior to the injury. Griffin said something similar, but it was something about his demeanor, something about his delivery that made me believe that he's coming here in the city of Houston with a new mindset. Yeah, I feel like the in the beginning, I think it was the toughest. Uh, understanding being away from football was tougher than most people might think. And, you know, um, I feel like that whole process of one being there with the back injury, still trying to play and, uh, you know, be there for the team, losing strength in the glute, the hamstring, the calf muscles just start to die out. You know, so mentally that was tough. Having the surgery, I felt good about the surgery. Felt a lot better. Walked right out. Um, that was a, a blessing. But then I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't even sweat. And then I'm out here, you know, watching my team, you know, go out there, grind it out every day. You know, uh, being successful. You know, and the person who loved the game so much, it was tough. You know, it got times where it was kind of hard to figure out what was next. And, you know, and I felt like that's part. I felt like I need to go through. 
because I feel like it showed a lot about myself to be able to snap back into that mindset, to be able to give whatever I have to get back to where I want to be. You know, uh, a lot of people wouldn't be able to do that. So, man, coming back out here, I was just anxious. You know, understand I didn't get a chance to play team ball since last October of last year. You know, so, uh, man, to get back to that mindset and moving around, moving fast, moving twitchy, having my strength back, you know, man, it's, it's a blessing. So you're looking at a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback with a new mentality who is healthy now. But, John, another thing that I took away throughout OTAs and mandatory minicamp and the short amount of time that Shaq Griffin has been with the Houston Texans, he has already established himself as a veteran leader within that locker room because at the beginning of his career, he had an opportunity to learn from guys like Richard Sherman. Earl Thomas is Bobby Wagner. And he talked about how everything that he learned from those guys, the Legion of Boom in Seattle, he's already sharing that knowledge with guys like a Jalen Petrie, Derek Stanley Jr., and the rest of this defense. And like I mentioned here almost every single week, we are all expecting this defense to be something special here in 2023. So mandatory minicamp, both Steven Nelson and Shaq Griffin, they was out there together. And Griffin took a lot of first-team reps. Yeah. I look at the relationship that maybe Dino Vasso has with Steven Ellison. You know, he had opportunity Mm -hmm. to coach him last season, and I think that'll come into play. Uh, But, Cody, I got one question. Cody, what have you done for me lately? You know, that was Eddie Murphy. Hey, that's why. That's why I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's why. Going back to last week, I said that this is one of those camp battles that people love talking about. I know it's not on the radar, but please pay attention to this. And I think it is. I think it is now. And if it's not, we have to bring it to people's attention that this Mm -hmm. is a potential, uh, not a potential, camp battle between – two cornerbacks, and again, I, I wonder how Dino Vasso views Shaquille Griffin and his skill set when he was at his prime of his career, when he was at his top tip, tip-top tip shape compared to Steven Nelson, you know, where he has not only game film and footage, but he also had an opportunity to coach last year. And if I'm a coach and I and we – like, this defense wasn't that good, this team wasn't that good – but doggone, if I look around my cornerback room, mm-hmm. you know, we did some good things last year. And a lot of that was headlined by Steven Nelson. Again, mm-hmm. according to PFF, four games with zero yards allowed. Uh, the longest of the longest yards allowed last year was 51. This man played some damn good football. It went under the radar because it was the Houston Texans only won three games. And a lot of times that defense was on the field more times than not. So they got gassed out. But he plays some damn good football. I'm looking at Shaquille Griffin, and my question is this. The Legion of Boom veteran approach that you can bring to this locker room is a phenomenal. That's amazing. I get it. But what are you going to do on the field? By the way, Steven Nelson only allowed one penalty last year. Mm-hmm. And, Cody, as you've already mentioned last week, Steven Nelson has had a little bit of issues with penalties <laughs> so far. And OTAs. No, no, it's, um, Griffin, Griffin. I mean, yeah, Griffin, I'm sorry. Griffin has some issues with penalties and OTAs and mandatory minicamp. So, like, the small details in this battle will matter. And I can't wait to see how it plays out. This is not a battle that's flying under the radar anymore. This is a real camp battle, which will be very exciting coming to the end of July. I would like to mention this, though, for, for my own selfish reasons. If they could get everything together, money and everything, and let's say 
Griffin and Nelson accept one starting and the other one being used for situational purposes. John, just take a look at this cornerback room really quick. Derek Stingley, Shaq Griffin, Steven Nelson, Desmond King, Taviera Thomas. That could possibly be one of the best position groups, if not the best position groups for the team, because every single one of those defensive backs that I just named has been making plays for the Houston Texans since 2021. Remember in 2021, people was campaigning on whether or not Tavier Thomas deserved deserve votes for the Pro Bowl. Remember? Yeah. Desmond King has always been out there as a slot corner. Once you had an opportunity to put him back in his regular position, he's been out there making plays. You already know. We just finished talking about Steven Nelson, and you already know what 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 Derek Stingley Jr. is going to do in a new system that he's already been looking good in. I can't wait, man, for the training camp. <laughs> man, Texas defense, man, is going to be really good next year. Baseball season is in full swing, and there is no better place to get in on all of the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. So don't miss out on your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com, once again, slash locked on and sign up today. FanDuel is the official partner of the Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back in, Locked On Texan listeners and viewers. Whether sunny or gray, we're going to ball and parlay. Once again, rest in peace to Big Pokey. Now let's talk about the Houston Texans rookie linebacker out of the fifth fifth round draft pick out of Alabama, Henry Toa Toa. Cody, the year one expectations and impact, which we have right here on the right side of the screen, is the conversation that we're going to have. And Locked On Texan listeners and viewers, fans of the Houston Texans Bulls on Parade, I'm going to put it plain and simple. Don't have any high expectations for this young man. Mm. Not to say that he does not have the talent, not to say that he isn't going to be a good NFL player, but this is a linebacker room. Without even mentioning Henry Toto, the, the rookie, Christian Harris, Corey Littleton, Blake Cashman, Jake Hansen, Christian Kirksey, Gary Wallow, Denzel Perriman, Neville Hewitt. That's eight linebackers right there in that linebacker room that are veterans, that has played in the NFL before, that has experience with this team. So he's already at odds. This is also a young man that needs to get better in covering the pass, right? Uh, At Alabama, wasn't necessarily the best. When we go back to his 2022 advanced stats per PFF, out of 39 targets, he allowed 29. He also allowed a passer completion uh, completion rating of 74 and a passer rating of 89.3. That's number two. Right? So he has to get better in that area. And also, once Houston starts making these cuts from this roster, they are going to need some of these younger bodies to fill in with some of these vests that they want to keep around on special teams. So when I look at his impact, guys, I don't see him getting a lot of opportunity to be out on that field defensively consistently, right? But I do see him being out on the field for defensive 
excuse me, for special teams. Just going out there, flying around the field and making stops, whether that's on a punt return or kick return. Being able to get acclimated to the NFL speed and playing their linebacker position for the Houston Texans. So I'm going to wrap this up by saying as much of a good player that I think Henry Toto can eventually turn into, it won't be this year. I don't think so. I think that he'll have an opportunity to go through, you know, uh, uh, the learning curve. And he's been spoken highly about during OTAs and training camp. Like he's figuring out the playbook. He's asking questions. He's doing all of the right things. But Houston has a linebacker problem. It's a lot of them. So they're going to have to figure out who they want to keep. And also not to mention they signed two linebackers in the offseason. They already have a Christian Kirksey problem, right? What are you going to do with Kirksey? Are you going to cut him and save $5 million? Or do you think that he is a vet worth keeping around? But you also have two other vets on the roster as well that can pretty much do the same thing and you can still save money. So they got to figure that issue out on their own on their own speed. Training camp at the end of the July, the, off, the preseason, excuse me, is going to be a, a very challenging time to figure out who they're going to move on from. And I think that he may get lost in translation in a good way because you're not going to get forced to be out on the field too early. Just have an opportunity to learn, get those reps at practice, and then eventually you'll get out on the field. But I don't see him playing a lot of snaps, especially through the first eight to nine games of the year. I'm going to have to disagree because I think Henry has a chance. First and foremost, one of, if not his best on-field attribute, is his ability to stop the run. I know you guys heard me say this stat for over a thousand times, so I'm about to say it a thousand and one. Over the last two seasons, the Houston Texans gave up an average of 150 yards on the ground. You also got to consider that over the last two years, they had, what, eight to nine running back that rushed for over 100. Then you had Derrick Henry alone, who prior to Christmas Eve had a stretch where he recorded over 200 yards in four or five consecutive games. Coach D'Amico Ryans also talked about the importance of improving the Houston Texans run defense. You're definitely going to get that with Henry T once he get an opportunity to get on the field. John, another thing that you and I have been talking about over the last two days Camp battles. I think Henry definitely has a chance in terms of out of all of the linebackers that you just named, I think there's three linebackers that he can probably be out, beat out in training camp. Blake Cashman, Gary Wallow, and definitely Jake Hansman, who, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe Coach Lovey Smith saying that one of the reasons why he brought Jake here is because he was one of the last guys that he actually recruited to Illinois prior to his demise. So what's funny about that, Coach D'Amico Ryan said to a rookie minicamp that part of the reason why Henry T is part of the Houston Texans now because that is somebody that he has been looking at Ever since his days going back to Tennessee, and of course, for you guys who don't know, um, Henry played his first two collegiate seasons at Tennessee and then transferred over to Alabama. So you telling me over the last four years, Coach D'Amico Ryans had his eye set on his one prospect, went to his alma mater. Now he's part of the Houston Texans. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit of favoritism that Michael on there. So I think he really do has an opportunity to make an impact as a rookie. John, this is one of those dark horse camp battles that we're definitely going to keep our eyes set on, which, by the way, fun fact about Henry, too, and I think this also goes into his ability to stop the run. 
he was recruited coming out of high school as a running back. He didn't make that transition into linebacker until he got to Tennessee. And maybe he knows some linebacker ten- tendencies that made him one of the best run stoppers coming, coming out of this year's draft. By the way, according to Pro Football Focus, during the 2022 campaign, he finished that season with a run defensive grade of 72.1, which if you translate that into what the Houston Texans had last year, he would have automatically been a top three defensive player who can stop the run. So given all that into consideration, unless Cashman, Gary Wallow, who is one of those guys, a a three-year prospect who is on the bubble, I think Henry has an opportunity to find his way in terms of being more than just a special teams guy. Welcome back in Locked On Texan listeners and viewers. Thank you guys for checking out today's show. Be sure to subscribe, like, and comment to the Locked On Texan podcast. Before we close out, PFF dropped their NFL wide receiver rankings a few days ago over the weekend. And a lot of people were upset where the Texans failed on that list. Number one on that list, which I agree with, the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Um, it, it, That's why Joe Burrow want to take less money when his contract comes yeah, up. Keep them boys <laughs> around as long as possible. And the general manager for the Cincinnati Bengals came out during the draft process and was like, Hey, if y'all want y'all to receive it, go, go draft your own. So they want to keep hmm. T. Higgins in in Cincinnati. They want to keep that group together. Uh, but at the bottom of the list, sitting at 32 overall, 32. the Houston Texans. Now at 31, that. the Carolina Panthers. They did add Adam Thielen over the uh, offseason, during the offseason. The number 30th ranked team, your division mates, Tennessee Titans, and you also have at 29 the New England Patriots. But, Cody, when I look Mm. at the Houston Texans being ranked 32nd overall, I'm not mad. And and I'll tell you why, guys. And it's going to be – like the Houston Texans should take – the wide receivers should take this list personal to prove everybody wrong. But the list itself isn't biased. And I think this list was based off of who is your number one receiver right now? There's mm. no clue. And mm. the number one receiver presumably would be Nico Collins. He's a third-year guy. On how many other teams would he be considered a number one receiver? On how many other teams with how advanced the NFL passing league, the NFL game is in terms of passing is right now, how many other teams would he be considered a number two receiver? And he also does not have the productivity to numbers, which factors into these listings to back up him being a number two or a number one receiver. Then you're also banking on Robert Woods. Robert Woods has never been a number one receiver, right? At best, he's been a very good number two with the LA Rams, but he's coming off a season last year with the Tennessee Titans where his numbers and productivity was not good last year. Then you're also banking on a lot of unproven guys. John Metchie has never played an NFL game. Tank Dale has never played an NFL game. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, the rookie, has never played an NFL game. Also, your other vet that you signed in the offseason, Noah Brown, was a number three receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. So overall, how many true number one, number two receivers, proven number one and number two receivers are on this team? 
as of lately, there aren't any. So I'm not mad at this list, guys. I think that this is a perfect opportunity, again, for Nico Collins to go out there and, and have a 1K 1,000-yard receiver receiving season. Excuse me. You know, the rookies to go out there to prove that they can play football. Maybe this is a year that Robert Woods, he you know, he signed that contract in the offseason, which I still don't like that money. But this is an opportunity for him to you know rejuvenate his career. But when I look at the rankings and what Houston has on this roster, Houston has a lot of receivers that at best right now, before the season has started, are number three receivers, number four receivers. And for some of these guys, you may not even be on a team. <laughs> Good Lord, John. I like the way you broke it down like that because at first I was going to break it down in terms of, you know, whether this receiving core is better than what um, the Panthers are working with, better than what the New England Patriots are working with, which in my opinion, probably not. But John, the way you broke this down brings me back to our rapid fire question as to whether or not at the end of the season will the Texans regret not drafting one of the top wide receivers or signing one of the top veteran wide receivers and free agency, because a lot of us are banking on Nico Collins. And we're not just banking on Nico Collins talent, which I don't think is the question is whether or not he can stay healthy. My biggest issue with this wide receiving core is this. If Nico Collins doesn't stay healthy for another season, then you're really going to have a problem. I'm not big on Robert Woods. I do believe Robert Woods is just a guy who's just going to be a legit veteran for not just that position group, but for this whole entire team. Because, yes, they probably have moved past uh, the rebuilding phase. John, you put it as a building phase. I expect the Houston Texans to go out there and compete. But you also got to consider that a lot of these guys that they are banking on, they are still young. They're still going to be trying to find their way in the league. And you need a veteran like a Robert Woods, especially after the departure of Brandon Cooks. Outside of those two names, you have Noah Brown, who I'm not too sure what version of Noah Brown you're going to get. Because I do believe Noah Brown makes the roster. I do. And I understand that he had a career season last year. I believe he finished with like five, six hundred yards. But a lot of that was because he was playing alongside C.D. Lamb and due to the injury of um, – what's my guy named? Amari Cooper? No. Due uh, to the injury – no, uh, Amari Cooper was with, with – with, Michael with, Gallup. With, with, with Michael Gallup because Amari Cooper is in Cleveland. Due to the injury of Michael Gallup, <laughs> I think that's part of the reason why he was open a lot for Dak Prescott because he was playing with C.D. Lamb, one of the young rising wide receivers in the league. So everybody else is a question mark. Look, I love John Mechie, but once again, you got to tamper – the expectations that you have for this young man, at least for this upcoming season. I like Xavier Hutchinson, but how much expectation, how much responsibility do you place on his show? The same, same thing with Tank Dale. Like, how much responsibility are you going to place on their shoulders as rookies? As of right now, the wide receivers, they have looked really good in OTAs, mandatory minicamp, but like I keep mentioning, they are still just playing in shirts, in shorts, a lot of that's going to change yeah. when you put those pads on, and then a lot of that's going to change come joint practices with Miami, with the Saints in preseason, and then of course that's going to definitely um, lead up to Week One of the 2023 campaign. So 
listeners and viewers, fans, I hate to say it. I, I, I agree with this list because there's a lot of uncertainty. My man, Edit. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texans podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube as well under Locked On Texans. And shoot me a follow as well at John underscore Hickman 12 on Twitter. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Do me a favor, guys. If you got the opportunity, go jam hardest pit in the litter. Once again, rest in peace, big pokey man, forever in our hearts. Thank you all for checking out today's show.